So coming off on the tail end of our discussion last week, we were looking at the clothes of Jesus, especially his crucifixion clothes, and how that the part of his garments that the soldiers uh, cast lots for was uh, a suggestion toward the role of Jesus as our high priest. And so that throws us into a discussion about the friendship of Jesus and how he wants so much uh, to be our friend. And so let's, let's get our thoughts headed in that uh, direction. Now, there are four or five ways in which Jesus is described uh, that you know very well. We'll just review these. But these, these descriptions are... Um, mindful of the friend that he can be to us. For example, Jesus is referred to in 1 Timothy 2, uh, 5 and 6 as our mediator. There's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. All right? And so Jesus also is referred to in Romans 8 and 34 as our intercessor, our intercessor. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, what, what were his last words? were his last words. It is finished. It is finished, John 19, 30 and 31. And in so many ways, Jesus had finished the work that he had come to do. He had fulfilled prophecy. He had come to leave the perfect example. He had come to show the world how the Father uh, truly is. He had come to die on the cross for our sins. He had come to give himself as the, as the price and suffer for our sins. You know, but that doesn't mean that Jesus is finished working in our behalf. He is our mediator. And he is our intercessor. As we have said uh, last week, the book of Hebrews over and over again talks about Jesus being our high priest. 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says Jesus is our advocate. He is our advocate. And so all these terms suggest that he is the best friend a person could have. Now, let's get three things in our mind. How do you become a friend of Jesus? And then how, how is he a friend to his followers? And then how can we be a friend to others? Uh, that will be uh, pleasing to God, especially those last two. How is Jesus a friend to us? How is he our best friend? And then how can we be a friend that pleases God? Okay. But let's start with the first go here, and that is how do we become a friend? How do we become a friend, a friend of Jesus? What does, what does the Bible say about that? All right, Mike's saying, if you keep my commandments. So let's think about that. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then flip it, John 15, 14, he says, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And so it's pretty simple and straightforward there. The one who surrenders to Jesus, by following his ways, his will, 
surrenders to his, his dictates, surrenders to his commands, okay, then that one becomes a friend of Jesus. So that's pretty straightforward. So we're going to focus now on how it is that Jesus is a friend to us, his followers, and then in turn that will help us to learn better how to be a good friend uh, to other people. Now, before we get into this, what are some um, gospel songs that talk about the friendship of Jesus? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs uh, to bear. He's my friend, and oh, I, oh, how I, oh, I dearly love him. He's my friend. I'll be a friend to Jesus. He stood in Pilate's hall. I'll be a friend to him. Any others? There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus. Jesus loves me, certainly. Where could I go but to the Lord? What about the lily of the valley? That have the friendship of Jesus in it? I have found a friend in Jesus. Is that the lily of the valley? I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. And I certainly won't start singing that song. We want you to have a good night. But several gospel songs suggest this friendship of Jesus, and I believe it has been very meaningful for us uh, through the years. Now, here's my concern. My concern is that we don't take it near as seriously as we ought, okay? that we seek to measure or at least associate our faith with what other people are doing or not doing, okay? what other people at church are doing or not doing. And we forget that what God seeks is a personal walk with us. God wants to be our friend. And he wants us to look to him as our very best friend. Okay. So let's bear that in mind. That we, want to, we want to draw near to God as he draws near to us. He wants us to be his friend. Okay. Now... What does a friend do? Or at least what does this best friend? And what makes Jesus the best friend? The very best friend? Not just a friend? Hmm? He never lets you down. Okay. Gave his life for us. Okay. No greater love than that, John 15, 13 than for a man to lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did. He, that's what makes him our best friend, our best friend. Look at it this way. Is Jesus called the Son of God? He is. It's what Peter said in Matthew 16, 16. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Is Jesus called the Son of Man? Son of man come to seek and save that which was lost, Luke 19.10. Is Jesus perfect in both of those roles? See, he's the best friend. Perfectly God, 
perfectly man. Son of God, Son of Man. There could not possibly be a better friend in heaven or on earth. So here we go. What does this best friend, what does he do as our friend? And I'm going to suggest these ideas and then you, you help me elaborate on, on them. I would suggest, first of all, that he listens. That's what a friend does, doesn't it? But Jesus listens in a perfect way. One verse to consider is 1 Peter 3 and verse 12. 1 Peter 3 and verse 12, where it talks about the eyes and ears of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. See, those who have decided to surrender to the, to the teachings of Jesus, those are the righteous ones. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their supplications. Jesus listens. Can you think of a of an instance or two in the life of Jesus on earth where his listening ability really shines? Can you think of a, of a time? Yeah, when the little children come to him and he was spending time with them, he'd be listening to them. Yeah, when he received little children. Okay. What else might come to your mind? Yes. Yes, he worked through her her story, what she had been through, and patiently, patiently discussed with her from, from her misunderstanding about um, the idea of worship to her not yet understanding um, who the Messiah is to her checkered background. He just brought her along in a, in a very careful but methodical way. Jesus just shines as a listener. Here's one that comes to my mind. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, who speaks to him? Hmm? The penitent thief. What does that thief say? Remember me. Luke 23, 42 and 43. Remember me when? Yeah. Remember me, Lord, when you enter into your kingdom. And then did Jesus respond? He listened. Yeah. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I find that intriguing because I think about when I don't listen well. And usually it's, it's, it's when I'm all covered up in my own stuff, my own pain or my own troubles, and if anybody is covered in his own pain, it would be Jesus at that point. How did he muster the presence of mind, okay, not only to quote scripture while he's lay, hanging on the cross, but also to listen with a, in an empathetic way um, to this man, and to know the heart of that man. So Jesus listens. That's why he's the best friend. He listens when we're, we're lonely. He listens when we have failed him in our sin. He listens when problems pile up on us. He listens when we're facing the shadows of death. He, he, he listens. He, he's, he listens. And so we take our cue from that 
and then ask ourselves, well, then how can I be a friend to other people in a way that pleases God? Well, we also have got to be better and better listeners. Better and better listeners. And listening helps with that. You know, Brent's talking about how Jesus is so compassionate, but part of that compassion is his ability to listen, to understand, and to know. Okay. Very good. And we, we, in the same way, if we want to be a friend to other people within our family, anywhere, however, we will learn, learn better and better to listen. It's not the easiest thing. It's easy to say that, but it's not the easiest thing to practice. Oftentimes, when we're listening to someone, we already, we're not listening so well to them. We're, we're already deciding what we're going to say once they get through talking. Okay. We're, we're piling up the thoughts in our mind, and we're not really listening to what they say. But if, we, if we're going to help and be like Jesus, then we'll learn to listen, 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 and listen. Matthew 12, 34 says, Jesus himself said, out of the abundance of the heart, what? Out of the abundance, yeah. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We don't have the ability to read other people's thoughts, but we can listen to what they say. And majority of the time, their, their lips are going to reveal their heart. And then, then with our, our understanding of Jesus, perhaps we can help then we can be a true friend to them. And so, okay. Yeah. We just haven't. We haven't had a friend like Jesus. And one reason is because he listens. He listens so well. And that challenges us to be a friend like that as well. And probably... If wives could could have their husbands do one big thing better, it would probably be this area right here, listening, listening really well. I would suggest another thing that makes Jesus such a friend is that he helps. Let me ask you, you know that Jesus is a helper. How, what is it that Jesus has done? What, what, what's the thing that Jesus has done that most helps the world? He brought forgiveness. Okay. He gives instruction. Okay. He gives instruction. Say it this way. I've heard this from other people. It's not original or anything, but Jesus uh, speaks to us on behalf of God. And he also speaks to God on behalf of us. So that's how he is the greatest helper of all. Let's turn over to Hebrews uh, chapter 1 and read quickly about uh, Jesus' ability to speak on behalf of God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. Long ago, the book of Hebrews begins. Long ago. At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Hebrews 1 verse 1. But has in these last days 
spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, and through whom also he created the world. God speaks through his Son. This is how Jesus is such a friend and helper to us. He speaks to us on behalf of God. But also he turns around and speaks to God on our behalf. And that's where we read about him being our intercessor. Let's, let's jump back to the book of Hebrews for a second. And notice it's a passage we read Sunday morning for, at Lord's Supper time. It's, it's, um, it's well worth visiting again. Hebrews 9, uh, 23 uh, and following. Hebrews 9, 23, talking about Jesus, uh, he's not, he hasn't stopped his work on our behalf whatsoever. So thus it was necessary, see here in Hebrews 9, 23, thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these riots, talking about Old Testament uh, practices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these, for Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven, himself, heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Notice that in Hebrews 9.24. He now appears in the presence of God on our behalf. We mentioned Sunday from Romans 8.32. God spared not, on, not his own son, Romans 8.32, but freely gave him up for us all. Shall he not then give us all things? And Romans 8.31 says, if God be for us, who's going to be against us? God's not going to give up his son. Jesus is not going to volunteer himself as a death for our sins and not be on our side. He is on our side. He is... He is for us, and that's what he's doing now. So he's our best friend because he listens and because he has brought the best help to us that the world could ever have. So in like manner, using this ideal, we need to be better and better friends to each other using this very ideal. Just as Jesus speaks to us on behalf of God, and then turns around and speaks to God on behalf of us, so we need to do for others. Okay. Not in the perfect grand way that Jesus does it, but still we need to do it because God has commanded us to do it. Okay. He's commanded us to go and talk to others about God, and then we are to make our request to others, about others, to God in prayer. Okay. So we also must be doing the same things to be a good friend to others. In 1 Timothy 2, if you will look over there right quick, you'll see that, the, that Paul mentions several different types of uh, prayers, and one of these groups is called intercessions. Notice 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all people. We've got to be 
bringing people before the throne of God. It's kind of a natural thing once you decide, once you make it a determination of your heart that you're going to speak to others about God, it drives you to your knees to go and pray to God about that process. Pray for that person you're trying to reach. And so we need to be in the habit of doing that. Often Paul would start his prayers by telling his, his, um, his friends, his brothers and sisters, that he's been praying for them just like he did as we read Sunday evening, Philippians 1, 3, and 4. Paul's joy was to bring his friends before the throne of, throne of God. And he did that with everybody. How could you ever run out of something to say in prayer if you're bringing everybody you know before the throne of God? You don't run out of things to say in prayer. You just have to get back to it later. All right, so the best friend ever, he listens perfectly and he helps us in a perfect way. But as Brent was suggesting a minute ago, let's, let's reemphasize this, and that is that, that Jesus understands. That's what a friend does. A friend understands, okay. especially with temptation. Okay. Let's notice this in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, verses uh, 17 and 18. Mark in your Bibles here, Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Speaking of Jesus as our merciful and faithful high priest, notice it there, Hebrews 2, 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able also to help those who are being tempted. Okay. So Jesus understands us, especially in regard to our being tempted. Now, explain that to me. Somebody explain how, how is it that Jesus understands as a friend in regard to our temptations. How is it that, that Jesus has such knowledge, but he never committed a sin? How can he understand our sins if he never committed a sin? So because um, the devil hit him with everything that he could. So let's, let's put a marker right there. Is something else coming to your mind in regard to Jesus being able to help us with our temptations? Uh, certainly going to, going to Matthew 4 and Jesus' battle with Satan in the wilderness is, is, is good to think about. Anything else come to your mind? How is it that Jesus is able to help us in our temptations? In that he, Ken saying, just reemphasized there, 2, 17 and 18, he, he suffered through those temptations himself. Okay. Don't. No. 
Okay, we have a record of this particular one in the wilderness, but he was tempted all throughout life. You're exactly right because he became flesh. So, so from younger years on up, he was tempted. Hebrews 4.15 mentions that very thing. He was tempted in all points like as we are. In every point that we're tempted, Jesus was tempted. Yet without sin. Yet without sin. And really, it, he is the one to help us because, you know, he, he, he did not sin. And it, it makes us go to him because, you know, if we're going to a fellow who is struggling the very same way that, that I struggle, then, you know, you appreciate his trying to help you, but, but you know, if you go to Jesus, he not only was tempted by it, he, he overcame it again and again and again. Let's think about Jesus there in the wilderness with Satan. What, what impresses you there in, in that instance? So the devil hit Jesus at one of his lowest points. He'd been fasting for how long? 40 days. And so they're very hungry. And he hit him with, with what? What did he say? If thou be the Son of God, do what? Command these stones to be made bread. Man shall not live. Jesus comes back to him with a passage from Deuteronomy. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What do you think the devil is trying to get Jesus to do? Not just eat the bread. Yeah, use his power for himself, for his own self. That's really what the devil is after. He's trying to get Jesus to use his... Jesus came with power for others. But the devil is smart enough to know if, you, if, he, can get, if he can get someone to turn their, their uh, power, or for us it would be our opportunities and our privileges and our blessings, if he can get us to turn those back toward ourselves, then he's got us. You know? The devil doesn't care how much we claim to know God and claim to be with God as long as he can get us to be, be puffed up a little bit. Jesus being tempted, he suffered, and so he's able to help us in our temptations. Is, is there any way then that we can help others? Is there any way for us to be a friend and help others in their temptations? I think that's what um, God wants us to think about. As we seek to be a friend to someone else, to remember that we may have been through exactly what they've been through. 
we may have at one time struggled with something they're struggling with, and then to use that and talk to them, encourage them, and share your life with them so that you can help them overcome. I think Paul mentions this um, in his thoughts. I think Paul had this thought in 1 Timothy chapter 1 as he talks about uh, his past. 1 Timothy 1, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, whom I am chief, 1 Timothy 1, 15. Uh, but 1 Timothy 1, 16, Paul said, I receive mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. I think Paul thought that as he believed that other Jews in his similar situation he was in would see him and possibly stop and consider their own ways and help his example, let his example help them come out of their their error uh, as well. Okay, that's an excellent point. Brent's bringing up James 5 and 16 that says we ought to be confessing our faults one to another, and that does help people understand that we've been there and that we struggle with that. We, through God's help, has, have overcome it and then that will give hope to them as well. That's another way in which, like Jesus, we can become a friend uh, to others as well. There are folks who have lost their children, and there's no one that can help someone who has lost their children better than someone, a Christian, who also has lost a child. And those similar struggles. Someone may have been involved in alcohol in the past or with greed in the past, or even pride in the past, or, or anger or bitterness, or religious error. I, may have, I was there one time. I know exactly what you're talking about. And so let me, let me, let me share with you how I work myself out of that. And so we can become a good friend like Jesus, it's not, not perfect like Jesus. But Jesus, being tempted, is able to help us. He comes to our cry for help. And so, uh, in that way, also, we can help other people. Yeah. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. Such were some of you, 6, 9 through 11. That's right. We certainly can relate. Miss Susan saying that, that she couldn't relate with some somebody who's who's been an alcoholic. Okay, and it's true. But you can share with them what God says about it. But also, you have a common thread in that we're all sinners. We have struggled with something, and we all have different temptations. And so you can relate to somebody like that. 
So Jesus is our best friend. He certainly understands, and he especially understands uh, in our temptations, things that we, we struggle with. But let me throw this out at you. As our best friend, Jesus is able to sympathize with us. Sympathize. And we think about this from Hebrews 4 and verse 15. We have a high priest, but this is a high priest who's passed through the heavens. What does it say there in Hebrews 4.15? We do not have, it's kind of a negative, negative. We don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Okay. To say it directly, we have a high priest who is touched by our struggles, by our infirmity. He sympathizes uh, with us. You know, Psalm 103, one of my favorite psalms, around verses 11, 12, and 13. But Psalm 103 says, God remembers that we are flesh. He remembers that we are but flesh. Okay. Jesus sympathizes with us. You know, a lot of people cannot be touched. They, they have no sympathy for other people's struggles, but Jesus definitely does. This really speaks uh, to com the, the Lord's compassion. It really speaks to the Lord's compassion. He understands us, but he also has perfect compassion toward us and how thankful we are for that. Can you think of a, a, a place in Jesus' life where having compassion just comes right to your mind? Can, can you think of an instance in Jesus' life where he, he definitely had compassion. The woman, the, the woman with the issue of blood. He stopped in the midst of that crowd and helped out. Okay. He, he touched the leper. He touched the leper. That's a good point. Uh, Mark 1 records that Jesus touched a leper and, and cleansed him. Okay. Yeah, going and Weeping with the family at Lazarus' death, that's definitely a, an example of compassion. He had all the, all the weaknesses and desires of the flesh. I get that all the time. So, but he did. He had real siblings or real life and had the, the same fleshly struggles. And it's, it's an excellent point. And he was able, he's able to turn around now and have uh, the perfect compassion. And 
Kim was mentioning the compassion he showed there with Mary and Martha going to the scene of Lazarus' uh, death. Okay. There are several of those uh, kinds of scenes. I remember, you know, in Matthew 9, Jesus had a lot, a big crowd before him. And he looked at on that crowd, and they were all just as a, a sheep with no shepherd. But it says there that he was moved with compassion, and he taught them. And then he told his disciples, you know, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the labors are few. In other words, you, need guys, you guys need to get busy and have compassion like I'm showing here. Definitely compassion shown there, Sermon on the Mount. And so in the same way, as we seek to be a friend to others that pleases God, then compassion would have to be, that, that would have to be number one. That would, that's just a quality that we want to grow and grow and grow in. Jesus turned the story of the Good Samaritan on that compassion. The, the priest and Levite, no compassion. But the Good Samaritan stopped and his heart was moved. His heart went out to the man injured. And that whole story turned on the compassion. Of course, Jesus wants us to have that. We can be a friend like Jesus if we listen well and if we seek to help with the Word of God and pray for others. We can be a friend if we seek to understand others, what they're being tempted by. And we can understand also if we have compassion. Now getting, getting on to the quality of um, the fact that Jesus defends us, that's the idea of being an advocate. In your Bible you'll see Jesus being our advocate in 1 John 2, 1 and 2. But he defends us. He defends what a friend does. A friend defends his brothers and sisters. Okay. And who is it that accuses us day and night? The devil, Revelation 12, verse 10. The devil accuses us day and night. And those that have the devil working in them, that's what they do to the followers of Christ. They just accuse them. They have nothing else they can do. They have no standard to live by. They have no, they have no reason for being worldly. So all they can do with someone following Christ is just to accuse them of things. And the devil is in that accusing Business, but Jesus is in the defending business. He's our advocate. Okay, so He's defending us in our flesh uh, there at the throne of God. And again, that's a quality that helps us be a true friend to someone else or to everybody at church and to everybody that we want to be a good friend to. Uh, we want to defend them. I think about when uh, Saul. Tarsus converted, but those Christians in Jerusalem, and you can't hardly blame them, but they didn't want to receive him, did they? Who came along and helped him to be received? Barnabas. Acts 9, 26 and 27. But Barnabas took Saul, brought him before the, the apostles, brought him before the brethren, said, this man is now a, a, a child of God. He has obeyed. He is with us. He defended.
Oh, that's good. That's good. Ken says, Jesus is the epitome of giving everyone the benefit of the doubt. That's defense. That's defending someone else. That's what love calls for, is to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Well, there's more we could talk about, but we can see here that Jesus is the perfect best friend, which then holds out the possibility that we can also become a friend like Jesus, and that's very necessary as well.